Welcome to the Freedom House Church Weekend Message. Today, you'll be hearing an exciting message from a communicator on our teaching team. Whether you're just waking up, on your way to work, or going for a relaxing evening walk, we know this message will equip you to experience Christ's freedom today and every day. So enjoy.
So you're all wondering, what in the world am I going to preach on after hearing one of the greatest songs ever, Roxanne by the Police? Because that's real music, y'all. Just, just saying. You can sing along. You know why? 70s and 80s music is real music. Come on, somebody. That's all the 40-plus-year-olds right there that are clapping. The rest of y'all don't know what real music is until you listen to 70s and 80s decade. I don't know about that Cardi B stuff. You can't sing along to that. No messages in that, all right? But Sting had a message that he wrote. He wrote this song actually when he was in Paris. He was in his hotel. He was doing a concert there, and he walked out of uh, the hotel, and it was near the red light district where all the prostitutes were, and he wrote a song about a guy who fell in love with the prostitute. So today's message, if you want to, this is a kind of a, it's almost like a uh, PG-14 message, PG-13 message, just so you know. It's called From Hooker to Hero, From Hooker to Hero. So I'd encourage you to take some notes today. If you don't know who I am, by the way, uh, I'm Troy Maxwell. My wife and I are the senior pastors here, but I also want to give it up for your campus pastors, Pastor Stephanie, Pastor Aaron. You guys stand up. Great pastors. Make sure you visit with them. Y'all, since this is the second service, if you're real nice to them, they'll probably take you out to lunch somewhere. Um, so if you're, if you're nice though, if you're nice to them, um, also want to welcome all of our live streamers. We got people from all over the world today, Australia, come on, give it up. We need to pray. We pray for you guys. We love you. We are praying for you. California, Canada, Colorado, DC, Florida, Georgia, Ireland. Please invite me to play golf. I would love to come and stay with you. Just send me an email at pastort at freedomhouse.cc. I'm on my way Monday. Uh, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Nevada, Tennessee. Can we give it up for our live streamers from all over? We are in a series uh, that we're finishing up this week, next week, brand new series. And uh, I believe that right now, not, not in the world, but specifically in our nation, fear is at an all-time high. People are suffering. For, I think fear is causing pe- more people to go into the hospital than COVID. I really believe that. A fear is, is attacking people's lives, attacking people's families, fear of what's going on in the White House, fear of what's happening um, in economics, fear of disease, viruses, new variants, you know, all, all this fear. It's a spirit of fear. But in order for us to overcome a spirit of fear, we have to have a spirit of faith. Now, fear is a spirit, it's not a feeling. It's, it's, it, is, it causes feelings, it causes emotions, but it's a spirit. I want to read this verse, and I want us all to read this together. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 
2 Timothy chapter 1. And, it, and we're going to talk about Rahab today. She's going to teach us some stuff about faith. Can we throw that verse up on the screen for me, 2 Timothy chapter 1? And I want all of us to read this together, okay? All of us together, front to the back. Everybody participate. Let's do it real good the first time, then we'll have to do it a second time. Online, read it out loud, open the windows, the doors, shout it out the door with coffee in hand. You ready? Let's all read this together. Ready? One, two, three. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Give yourselves a big hand. Come on, shake. Very, very good. Look at your neighbor. Just say, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Look at your other neighbor. Say, you don't have to fear. You don't have to fear. Turn around behind you. Look at him. Say, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. The opposition to a spirit of fear is a spirit of faith. And here's what I know about everybody in this room. You carry that spirit of faith. Every one of you do. We all carry that. Matter of fact, I believe that right now more than ever, um, you know, I've been alive for 52 years. Been married. Today's my anniversary. 29 years married. Come on. To the same woman all in a row. I asked this guy one time. I said, how long you married me? He goes, man, I've been married 53 years. And I said, wow, that's amazing. He goes, four women, but hey. I said, that does not count, Randy McCurry. But anyway, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I believe that we all carry this spirit. Matter of fact, 2 Corinthians tells us that we carry, we walk in a spirit of faith. And more than ever in the world, we have to declare and walk in that spirit of faith. Wherever we go, not just in church. Listen, it's easy to walk in faith when you're in church. Real easy. Everybody's nice. They're kind. You know, they say they're praying for you. Even if they're not, they say they're praying for you. They love you. They'll let you go in front of them when you ride in the car parking lot. Right, they're like, hey, just get in. But wait, wait till you get on 77. They're not letting you in, even if you have a Freedom House sticker on your car. They're like, get behind me, Satan. I mean, they're just all kinds of craziness. More than ever, you need to carry a spirit of faith in your job, in your family, with your kids, in your marriage. Even though problems are happening, I know that all of us have that spirit of faith. There are two levels of faith, and I encourage you to take some notes today. We know, we know some things about note-takers. They're history makers, and they go to heaven. So make sure you take some notes, okay? Two, two levels of faith. The first level is what I call the miracle-working kind of faith. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that God, the Holy Spirit gives us gifts. There's nine gifts that are mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And one of those gifts is the gift of faith. This, this faith is when you're in a situation where you don't know how you're going to get out of it, and boom, you need that faith. I'll never forget, I was in Russia. It was the first time I'd ever gone to, out of the country, first time actually I'd ever been on a plane, like a long-distance flight. And so I'm in Russia. I've been there for like 12 days. I get back. I'm, I'm dropped off at the airport. Okay, I don't know any Russian. Dasvidaniya, that's about it. Um, I'm dropped off. My friends leave. I go through, you know, my ticket. This was before TSA days. And so I went through the gate. I get to the, the area where you have to go through with your passport. And, the, and they told me, sir, you must stand over there. Now, these guys had all had guns and all. It was crazy. This was like in the early 90s. And I, I walked to the side, 
and they come back to me, and this guy, you know, is translating into English. This guy tells me, hey, listen, your visa is past due. You're going to have to stay in Russia. I'm like, no, 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 no. No, no, I'm not staying in Russia. I'm American. I'm, I'm American. I'm American. I have blue passport, blue, blue, blue passport. I'm American. He goes, no, you, you must stay in Russia. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And you know, you never go into emergency tongues, like praying in tongues, emergency. Even if you don't pray in tongues, you'll, hit, you'll start praying in tongues. I hit emergency prayer. I needed a spirit of faith. Like I needed to get out of that country right then. And I did, I'm here, but I did. I had to pay to get out. But I, I, you know, I had written in my little piece of paper that I had $263. And he goes, you give me 263 you can get out of the country. How he knew, I, he read my paper, he took all my money. I got out of Russia, I believe it was because of faith, not just the money. Sometimes, sometimes you just need an overcoming kind of faith. It's like that five foot four, 120 pound girl that can lift the car over, you know, like, it's just like this adrenaline comes over. She don't know how she did it. She's just, you know, a little tiny thing, but she did. That's the kind of faith that a miracle-working God, miracle-working power of faith comes upon you. The second kind of faith is what I call a measure of faith. This is found in Romans chapter 12. God gave gifts to everybody. The Father gave us gifts. Gifts like leadership, giving, ministry, administration. These gifts are given for you to fulfill your purpose, your destiny. Every person in this room has a destiny. You have a plan that God has given you. You're here for a reason. Okay, not just to work at Bank of America. Uh, There's way more to it than that. God's given, he's given me a destiny. But along with that destiny, he gives us the faith to fulfill that destiny. That's called a measure of faith. A measure according to what? Jesus' faith. Jesus operated in the fullness of faith. He, he had a direct connection with the Father. Everything he did, the Father said first. And that faith has been given, a measure of it is given to you so you can live out the life that's required of you. And I know it's in you because and the way you have to think about it is you know it's there because you wouldn't be going through what you're going through if you didn't have enough faith to get out of it. That's really important to understand because some of you feel a little overwhelmed by what you're dealing with, but the truth is God is just simply pulling out of you the faith that's necessary for you to go to the next level. Look at your neighbor, say, do not be afraid, do not be afraid. Now, here's, here's what's so great about God. God has a whole chapter in the New Testament dedicated to the people who live this kind of faith. Okay? Moses lived this kind of faith. Noah lived this kind of faith. Abraham lived this kind of faith. Abel. These are all, it's called the Hall of Faith. You know, we have the, we, we have the Hall of Fame, the NASCAR Hall of Fame here in Charlotte. It's called the Hall of Faith. Read it one. Just read it. Read it, Hebrews chapter 11. Talks about people like Jacob and Joseph and Isaac. Talks about a guy named Enoch. You don't hear a lot of preaching about him. Enoch had so much faith, one day God just took him. That's what's gonna happen to Stephanie. Stephanie's gonna be walking down, Pastor Stephanie and Aaron are gonna be chilling, walking down the road, and all of a sudden, boom, she's just gonna lift off, just go to heaven. She's not even gonna die. God's just gonna puck her out, just leave. Isn't that awesome? That's, that's the way to go. If you're gonna go, like, that's the way to go. Enoch was one of the only people that is in heaven that never died. It's pretty incredible to think about. Why? Because he had faith. 
there were two women that were mentioned in that hall of faith. One was Sarah and one was Rahab. Listen to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31. By faith, everybody say by faith. Look at your neighbor, say I'm not afraid. Look at your other neighbor and say by faith. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. Rahab is gonna teach us today how to have faith, how to get it, how to operate it. Just in a couple short verses, Rahab, this hooker who became a hero, this prostitute who became prominent is gonna show us how to live a life of faith. Why? Because faith is our currency. Faith is how we do business with heaven. And when you become a Christian, you are no longer of this world. You are now just a pilgrim who is going through this world and our goal is to bring heaven into every situation that we're involved in. That's your job. If you're a dad, your your role as a husband, as the leader of your home, is to bring heaven into every circumstance. And the way you do that is by faith. Now, what religion would teach you is that you get heaven or God involved in your world by what you do, your behavior. And that's how a lot of people believe. Well, if I'm just good enough, then God will bless me. Well, if I just give enough, then God will bless me. If I just, if I just, you know, if I, if I serve enough, if I come to church enough, if I just do good enough. The problem with that is that whose standard of good are you matching yourself against? Because what we tend to do is we match what our good is based on somebody else's good, what somebody described as good. The problem with that is somebody can be better. So God doesn't operate like that. Let me just mess you up. Okay, God doesn't operate like that. He doesn't operate based on your behavior. God blesses you because he loves you, period. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're going, well, does that mean that I can do whatever I want? No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. Because when you realize God loves you, then guess what you do? You change your behavior. See, when that revelation happens, you go, man, I have a God who loves me, who cares about me, who's willing to die for me. Then how much more would I want to serve him? How much more would I want to give to him? How much more would I want to do? I need to change my life because God changed so much for me. He changed the world for me. He sent his son to die for me. Does that make sense? So your currency, how you do business with heaven is by faith. Okay, so let's dig into this a little bit. In order to understand this, we gotta understand a little bit of history. So the Israelites came out of Egypt and they were on their way to the promised land. For a 11 day journey turned into a 40 year trip, okay? When are we gonna get there? 40 years later, it's like crazy. Moses took them all the way up until the Jordan River, then he died. A whole generation died. And then this guy named Joshua, who was Moses' kind of counterpart, was with Moses all the time, took over as the leader. But Joshua was a little insecure. So, so God dedicated a whole chapter, Joshua chapter one, to encourage Joshua. Joshua, it's gonna be okay. You're a great leader. You're gonna make it. You're gonna lead them into the promise, promised land. Be strong and of good courage. Be strong and of good courage. Sometimes we just need some encouragement, don't we? And God is the best encourager. 
isn't he? He's, he's awesome. He always is, hey, you can do it. You can make it. You're gonna, you're gonna be okay. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna survive. You're, you're gonna thrive. You're gonna get through this. Then Joshua says, all right, in order for us to take over, we gotta go across the Jordan River. And the first city is this city called Jericho. And Jericho, we know, was, was surrounded by this big wall. Even, even history tells us how it was like 30 feet tall. It was like nine feet wide. I mean, this just amazing wall. So he sends two spies in to spy out the land to see what's going on. The king immediately finds out that the Israelites, and they're really scared, by the way, the, the, the Jerichoans, are very scared, they're very upset, they're very nervous about the situation. The king knows that these two spies are there, and in order to not get caught, the two spies end up at this prostitute's house, this, this hooker, this, this harlot, the Bible says. And they have this conversation, and in this conversation, Rahab tells us exactly the kind of faith that's necessary to overcome fear. Okay, so watch this, Joshua chapter two, beginning in verse eight, it says, now before they lay down, talking about the two spies, she came up to them on the roof and said said to the men, listen to what she said. She said, I know that the Lord has given you the, the land. This is interesting. This woman was a pagan. She worshiped multiple gods. She was a prostitute, but yet for some reason, she knew that the Lord was going to give them the land. Isn't that interesting? She knew it. She knew it. There's something significant about this. That the terror of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because everybody's afraid of y'all. We're afraid. We're super afraid. Verse 10. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, whom you utterly destroyed. As soon as we heard these things, notice what she said. She said, first of all, I heard how the Lord did this. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. We were, I mean, courage was taken away from us because that's what fear does. Fear discourages you. Fear pulls courage and boldness right out of you. Fear will cause you to stand on the sidelines forever and never do anything. Fear will paralyze you. As soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Isn't that interesting? A pagan prostitute is declaring the magnificence of God. Something's happened in this girl, wouldn't you agree? Y'all out there? Come on, look at your neighbor and say, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Now, therefore, I beg you to swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you also will show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token. Spare my father, spare my mother, spare my brothers, spare my sisters, and all that they have, and deliver our lives from death. I don't know if you saw it, but this is what a life of faith looks like. This is what a spirit of faith, an overcoming fear spirit of faith looks like. Write these three things down, because this is what Rahab did. And in order for you and I to live overcoming fear, opposition to fear, we have to do these three things. Number one, Rahab heard, Rahab believed, and Rahab risked. This is how you develop 
an overcoming fear kind of faith. You hear, you believe, and you risk. How do I, how do I be a, a father in 2021 when all this craziness on social media? I hear, I believe, I risk. How do I own a business and, and I don't know what's gonna happen with the economy and I don't know what's gonna happen with the government? I hear, I believe, I risk. How do I stay married and things are, everything's attacking our family and nobody in our families has ever lasted more than five years? I hear, I believe, I risk. How, how do I deal with all this COVID stuff? How do, I, how do I know which variant I need to fight and, and everything's attacking me and what I'm hearing? I hear, I believe, I risk. Are you with me? How do I overcome fear? I hear, I believe, I risk. Okay, let's talk about this. Let's break this down. You say, man, that just sounds easy. Let's go home. Let's beat the Baptist to the buffet. Okay, I'm not finished yet. Just give me a little bit more time. First thing Rahab did, she heard. Faith comes by hearing. She said, for we have heard how the Lord. Isn't that interesting? She didn't see it. She never saw them come out of the Red Sea. She, she, didn't, see, she didn't see water come out of a rock. She said, she said in verse 10, for as soon as we heard these things, she didn't see the kings get, get defeated. She didn't see manna. Come on, little Chick-fil-A minis. <laughs> Boop. Right in Polynesian sauce. <laughs> or Chick-fil-A sauce or buffalo sauce. You know, you can buy Chick-fil-A sauce in the store now. Dang. You know how I know they were chicken minis? Open six days, closed on Sunday. Just read the Bible. Manna came six days a week, not on Sundays. How many of y'all ever been to a Chick-fil-A on a Sunday? Come on, raise your hand. Be, be honest. You went through the drive-thru. You're like, man, there's nobody here. Like, what's going on? I can't believe it. I mean, it's my pleasure. I'm, I'm about to hear it. What's going on? Then you realize, crap, it's Sunday. It's closed. That's why nobody's here. You have to stock up on Saturday for the closed on Sunday. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Write this down. Hearing awakens faith that is already in us. And it's an intentional kind of hearing. I've been pastoring for over 30 years now. And what I know is that people come to church and they listen, but they don't hear. I've seen it happen over and over and over again. Where they come... And I, honestly, I could probably preach the same message six weeks in a row. And people will come up to me, man, that was the best message I heard. I, I just preached the same one last week. But they listened, but they never heard. This friend of mine, his name's Tom, told me an amazing story when he was in his 20s. He told the story of he was in the Air Force and one of his friends had invited him to church. And he had never really gone to church, wasn't really involved with God but kind of had this sense that he needed to get connected to religion or church or something like that. And so his friend invited him and was sharing the gospel with him. And so he went to church, totally enjoyed it, loved it, went week after week after week, weeks turned into months, probably a year into his going to church, this evangelist shows up. 
and he does a full week long of teachings. Like every, every night they had meetings and his friend went and so he went. And there's a few, the last night he went by himself. His friend didn't go. And the evangelist gets up and he preaches this amazing message. He didn't really remember it. My friend Tom didn't even remember the message. But at the end of the message, he gives an altar call and he shares the gospel at the end of the message. And my friend Tom starts weeping because he had never heard the gospel before. And all of a sudden, he just, just, God changes his life. He gets saved. Goes to church the next Sunday. He shows up at Sunday. He's with his friend. He's been going to this church for a year. His pastor gets up and preaches. And at the end of the message, he does this altar call. And Tom turns to his friends. He goes, man, I'm so glad that our pastor is doing this altar call. And his friend looks at him like, what? He goes, yeah, he's sharing the gospel. And his friend goes, he did that every week. Because Tom came to church, he listened, but he never heard. You gotta decide that you wanna be an intentional hearer. You gotta come expectant for God. Now, here's something interesting. In the New Testament, remember the New Testament was written in Greek, translated into English, right? There are two words in the Greek language that are translated word. When you see word of God, Two words that are translated word of God. The first is the Greek word logos. Everybody say logos. You may have heard that word before. It means word in Greek. But it's different from the other word that's translated word, which is rhema. Everybody say rhema. So you got logos and you got rhema. Logos defined is the word of God. This is logos. The whole Bible is the word of God. This is the logos of God. So in John chapter one, verse 14, it says, for the word of God became flesh. The logos became flesh. Jesus encapsulated the entire Bible. Now, so that, what, is, what is rhema? Rhema is different from logos. Rhema is 1 Chronicles chapter 27, verse one. And the children of Israel, according to their number, the heads of fathers, houses, and captains of thousands. If Logos is the Bible, Rhema is a verse in the Bible. When you decide to intentionally hear, God is not just going to give you Logos. He's always going to give you a Rhema. For you. Specifically for you. So, when, when in Romans 10, verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the rhema of God. You get a revelation. You get an understanding. You ever read your Bible and something jump off the page at you? That's a rhema. You ever been going through something and God says, this is what you need to do? Dude, this, that's a rhema. That awakens, listen, the faith that is in you that's needed to overcome that situation. And God has a rhema every time your ears are open. We just have to open them. It's not a lack of God speaking. It's a lack of us hearing. Because God always wants us to have faith. He always wants us to take another step. It's just a matter of us leaning in. So you have to ask yourself two questions when it comes to hearing. Number one, what am I listening to? For some of us, you just got to turn off CNN. You got to turn off MSNBC. You even have to turn off Fox News. 
You gotta turn off that podcast. You gotta turn off that music and turn up the rhema of God, the word of God. Listen, you will never get a rhema if you are far from God. You'll never get it. And the only way you get near, you can't just wake up one day and go, I wanna be near to God. You have to practice that on a regular basis. I've been married 29 years, and I know my wife's voice. She could whisper, and I would know her voice. She calls me. I don't even have to know how to call her ID. I know it's her voice. Why? Because I've been married to her for 29 years. Some of us are expecting God to move, and we don't even know his voice. You lean in. What are you listening to? Number two, question that you have to ask yourself is what am I listening for? What am I listening for? What does that mean? That means that there gets, there's a point in your life as a Christian where God no longer has to prove that he's God in your life. Because that's, I mean, I talk to people all the time. Well, I need, I need proof. You know, I need to know. You know, I don't really know if there were really six days and he created it. Could it be 6,000 years? Or, you know, I, I don't really know, like, immaculate birth. I don't really know. I mean, I need God to prove. Show me. You know that happened all through the scriptures? Where people will go, just prove it. Jesus, show me a miracle. He's not going to do that. Faith is hearing regardless and trusting regardless. Sometimes you're not gonna get proof. You're just gonna have to believe. And that's the level. Well, I just need, I need somebody to say something. No, you don't. Just listen for God's voice. He'll speak to you. Look at your neighbor. Say, do not be afraid. Rahab heard. Rahab believed. Faith expects. Faith Expect. She said, I know that the Lord has given you this land. I know it. This is when belief turns into faith. See, a lot of people believe in God, but they don't believe God. A lot of people believe in God, but they don't believe God. James chapter 2, verse 19. You can believe all you want that there is one true God. That's wonderful. But even the demons know this and tremble with fear before him, yet they're unchanged they remain demons. How do I know that my belief has become faith? Is when there's change in my life. My life changes. Revelation brings conviction. Conviction brings movement. So when I get a revelation from God, I'm always gonna see movement in my life. The moment that I get a rhema, I'm gonna move, I'm gonna change my life is gonna change. My behavior is gonna change. My thinking is gonna change. My worldview is gonna change. I'm gonna get a conviction, basically. And, and church, listen, we need to have a conviction. We can't be skeptical about what we believe right now. We have to know, but we know, but we know exactly what we put our trust in, what we believe. We have to have a conviction. And can I just say this? This is where the church has been lacking is that a lot of churches hasn't, haven't preached conviction. They've preached inspiration. And conviction is very important to our hearts because when problems come, you have to have a conviction, not just an inspiration. 
inspiration, emotion will only last for a certain period of time. But when you have a conviction, when you know, but you know, but you know, God's gonna take care of my family. No, no devil in hell can ever take your family away from you. When you know, but you know, but you know that God's got my marriage, then no devil in hell can come to attack my marriage. When I know, but I know, but I know that God told me to be in this city, then no devil in hell is gonna talk me out of it. Are you with me? I mean, I'm preaching way better than y'all saying Amen. Don't make me amen myself. I will do it. I'll come down there, sit on the front row, and shout, amen, pastor, preach it. See, it's one thing to believe in your head. It's another thing to believe in your heart. See, you've got two ears on your head, but you've also got two ears on your spirit. You've got two eyes on the front of your face, but you've also got two eyes in your spirit. You've got a mouth on the front of your face, but you also have a mouth of the spirit. And Head belief is listening with these ears. Heart belief is listening with these ears. It's a different type of listening. It's a different hearing. It's a hearing that's waiting to move, waiting to do something. Head belief doesn't move. Head belief doesn't expect. Head belief doesn't change. Head belief questions constantly. Heart belief is confident, is hopeful, is courageous, is bold, is steadfast. That's what heart belief is. Let me, let me give you an example. So I, I could say this. I could say, you know, this is head belief. This is what head belief looks like. Good book. Lots of history. But, you know, let's be honest. Men wrote it. So they probably made some mistakes. Like, people talk about how this is the inspired word of God. Yeah, maybe part of it. I'll give it two-thirds. I mean, honestly... I think that God should do a new edition, like a 2021 edition, because there's some things that culturally just don't match with this book. Matter of fact, they don't even match with my experience. My experience really doesn't fit to this, and so honestly, God needs to change to fit my experience. I mean, that's the way it should be. That's head belief. Heart belief says, I trust him no matter what. I'm gonna stand on this book even if I don't see it, even if I've never experienced it, I trust him with my family, I trust him with my marriage, I trust him with my money, I trust him with my business, I trust him with my church, I trust him with my city, I trust him with my country, I trust him in my prayers, I trust him in my declaration, I trust him in my body. Nobody's gonna talk me out of my conviction that this is the word of God. I may have never seen it in my life, I might have to wait till I get to heaven before I see it, but I will not step off of this book. I will always trust this. I will always stand on this. I believe the Bible. I believe this book. Are you with me? That's a heart belief. That's a heart belief. That's that's different. Rahab heard, Rahab believed, and Rahab risked. She risked her entire life. Everything. Why? Because faith takes action. Then the woman took the two men and she hid them. She did something with her faith. Moved, acted. She changed. James chapter 2 verse 17 says, Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Faith has to have action. Don't tell me you have faith and you're not doing anything. That's just belief. 
And a lot of people have belief sitting in pews all around America right now. We have to risk our reputation. That's what risk looks like. You have to risk your reputation. People, by what you believe, people may not come to your business. You have to risk that. By what you believe, people might take parking spots away from you. You got to risk that. Pastors might write mean letters about you. Who cares? 18 months ago, my wife and I sat down when all this stuff happened. And the government said, you need to shut down, you know, 14 days turned into 18 months. Just flatten the curve. And we decided we're going to open our church. Like, I can't do this. I don't think God presses pause on the Bible. Like, for, forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. I don't think he said, you know, let's just pause on that for a little bit while we get over this virus. I don't think that works. And so my wife and I sat down with Pastor Stephanie and Pastor Olin. Our executive team got together and we said, hey, listen, I don't know how this is going to turn out. People are going to get mad. They're going to get upset because we have to have this hospital open for people whose spirits and hearts are in need of a Savior. We have to do it. And if, if, if nobody comes and everything shuts down, we'll just do it again. We'll just start it again. We did it 19 years ago. We can do it again. We'll start with 30 people again. I was surprised, honestly, at how many people were really willing to step up. But some, you're going to have to risk your reputation. I hear it all the time. I, I, hear, I hear all of, all of my um, African-American black friends, they say, you know, people get, give us a hard time because they say, I can't believe you go to a church with a white pastor. Listen, that is the most racist thing I've ever heard in my entire life. If your friend tells you that, you should say, why are you being such a racist? Because the last time I checked, 2 Corinthians is still in effect. We're not to regard people according to the flesh. Neither male nor female, female, slave nor free. We're supposed to look at them through the eyes of Christ. So either you're gonna believe the Bible or not. Are you with me? You gotta risk your reputation. You gotta risk your reputation. Sometimes you gotta risk your family. Sometimes your family is not gonna go along with you. They're gonna look like you're crazy. Like what in the world are you doing? Stepping out, believing that. Why are you gonna move to another city? God spoke to you. You got a good job right here. What are you doing? I can't believe you're gonna, you gotta risk it. See, we have to risk a now satisfaction for an eternal gratification. Let me say it another way. We have to risk it all because that's what Rahab did. Rahab heard, Rahab believed, and Rahab risked. If I wanna overcome fear, I hear, I believe, I risk. When I got to the end of this chapter, when I was studying for this, something jumped off at the page. I got a rhema in the middle of this. Because I, I, I just, I think Rahab is a superstar. I mean, I really do. Most people would have written her off, honestly. And that's what the world does. Because the world always looks at our past, God always looks at our future. People will always remind you of who you were while God is trying to tell you who you are. And that's exactly what happened to Rahab. And so I get to the end of this little story, verse 21, and something just jumped off the page. So she's having this conversation with these guys. She makes a deal with them. She says, listen, I save you, you save my family. And she lies to the king and everything changes. And in Joshua 2, verse 21, 
She said to these two guys, according to your words, so be it. And she sent them away and they departed and she bound the scarlet cord in the window. Now I've preached on the scarlet cord a hundred times, a hundred times. Love that message. But the four words that jumped off the page at me were according to your words. I said, I've heard that before. I've read that before. And immediately the Holy Spirit took me to Luke chapter one. Luke chapter one. And so I went all the way from Joshua all the way to Luke chapter one. And I started reading and I came across this young girl named Mary. She, she had gotten asked to marriage by this guy named Joe, Joseph. We'll just call him Joe. You know, he kneeled right by the Sea of Galilee. Will you marry me? Just tell him I'll call him back. <laughs> and she's excited. She's at home, you know. She's, she's trying to find a venue to get married in because it's tough to find venues these days. She's like, should I get married in the mountains? Should I get married at the beach? Should I just do it at the church, you know, keep it intimate? How many people should I invite? I mean, should I have 50? Should I have 200? I mean, this is a big deal. You only get married once. Let's make sure I do this right. Me and Joseph, oh, I just can't wait. She starts writing her name, Mary, and then his last name, Mary, and then his last name, Mary, and then his last name. She goes online, click, 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 click. She's like putting her Mary and Joseph, Amazon.com. Here's our registry. I want this mixer. I need these plates. I want towels with an M and a J on it. And, and I, want, I want to make sure that Target has all my stuff on it. Walmart, now. I want Target. I want, I want to make sure that people can go on there. And then all of a sudden, as she's getting all fired up about this wedding, that she, this angel shows up and messes it all up. He shows up and says, Mary, you're going you're gonna to have a baby. Whoa, 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 time out. I might have a baby, but after I get married, she, he goes, no, 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 no. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. This is the Maxwell translation, by the way. You're not going to find this in your Bible. Just, I'm just, just follow with me. I'm paraphrasing it for you. Gabriel shows up. He says, you're going to have a baby. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. She goes, no, no, no. That's not how you do it. You get married, and then you have the baby. Because if I do it out of order, it's going to mess everything up. My, my family's going to get upset with me. My future husband, I mean, what is he going to say when I go home and I, and I tell him that, hey, listen, I'm pregnant already. He's going to immediately go, yeah, right. The Holy Spirit, come on. God showed up, an angel, Gabriel talked to you about this. I mean, let's get real here, Mary. We know you were fooling around with the pool guy. I mean, let's, let's go here. You know what she said? Luke chapter one, verse 38. Behold, Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. Jumped off the page at me. Rahab, a prostitute, wasn't married, running the house to sell body, her body, in other people's bodies. Mary, sweet little Mary, both make the same statement to God. Because, listen, look at me. You really never know what your faith is going to do. Because when Rahab was rescued and her family was rescued, Rahab met a guy by the name of Salmon. And they had a, a baby boy by the name of Boaz. And Boaz married a girl named Ruth. And Boaz and Ruth 
had a little baby boy named Jesse. And Jesse got married and had a guy by the name of David who became the king of Israel. All because Rahab heard, Rahab believed, and Rahab risked. See, you never know what your faith is gonna do in someone's life. You never know how it could impact someone's family, how it could impact your family. Rahab never knew when she said, let it be according to your word, that she would end up in the lineage of Jesus Christ, that she would be listed in the book of Matthew as one of only three women that were listed in the lineage of Jesus Christ. She never knew that she would be talked about in the likes of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Enoch and Abel and Moses and Noah. She had no idea that just by hearing, just by believing, and just by risking, she would change the world. You never know. You never know what your life can do if you just hear if you just believe and you just take a risk. So what I did today is I gave everybody a little piece of yarn that looks like this right here on your seat. If you could grab that, you may still be sitting on it, you didn't even know it was there. I'd love you to put this on your wrist just to remind yourself every time fear, the spirit of fear tries to keep, creep into your heart or maybe into your mind that you can look at that and go, I've got faith over fear. I've got faith over fear. I carry the spirit of faith. Maybe tomorrow morning when you walk in your office, you can look at that and go, I've got a spirit of faith. I've got a spirit of faith. Maybe this afternoon when you're cooking dinner for your family and you're ready to pray, men of God, you can grab hands with your family and, we have a, and you can say, we have a spirit of faith in this family. We'll always keep a spirit of faith. When you're opening your business tomorrow morning at eight o'clock and you're wondering if people are gonna come in because you've made some really hard decisions about freedom, you can say, I got faith over fear. When you look at your checkbook, or maybe you get the, the report from the doctor, you can look at your hand and say, I've got faith over fear. Because a spirit of faith will always overcome a spirit of fear when I hear, when I believe, and when I risk. Would you stand up on your feet with me? Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that there is a spirit of faith in this room. There is a spirit of faith. A spirit of faith. God, we want to be a church. We want to be a community that stands, that raises a standard against the spirit of fear. Father, we don't want to just have it in this room, but God, when we walk out of this room into our cars, go into our communities, into our homes, into our businesses, into, our, into the restaurants and here in Charlotte, Father, we thank you, God, that we carry a spirit of faith. Among people who are ravaged with fear, God, we thank you that faith will overcome it. Devil, we put you on notice that we're carrying faith today. A shield of faith, a sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. Because we heard today 
and we believe and we're ready to take a risk. Father, we thank you that you're gonna pull us off the sidelines, put us into the game, Lord, not just with our prayers, but with our actions. We're gonna do something significant for the kingdom of God because we just, we just don't know, God, what our faith can do, how it can change and create a lineage, a legacy like Rahab. In Jesus' name, every head bowed, every eye closed. Even if you're watching online, just just take a minute, close your eyes. If you're here today and maybe you've never given your life to Jesus, here's the gospel. Jesus came, he died. That was his purpose. On a cross 2,000 years ago, he was raised from the dead. He took back the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And the Bible declares if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord of your life, you will be saved. Your sins will be forgiven. And that destiny that's been, that's been in your heart ever since you were a little baby will rise up and God will add faith to that. And you can walk it out. If you're here today and you say, I want to give my life to Jesus, maybe for the first time, or maybe just to rededicate, recommit your life. Maybe you haven't been to church for a long time and, and you just, you heard the message today. You heard with those spiritual ears and you're ready to make a change. Well, I don't know, what am I supposed to do next? Hey, let's don't worry about that right now. Just say yes to God. Well, well, well what, am I going to have to give this up? And what am I going to have to, uh, look, look, just, just, just say yes to God. He'll work all that stuff out. Trust him. He'll take care of you. He'll speak to you. He'll lead you and guide you. All you got to do is ask him. He's right here. His presence is here right now. You can feel your heart's just fluttering right now. God wants to change you forever. I'm going to count the three of you. Say, that's me. Just raise your hand. I want to know who I'm praying for. Ready? One, two, three. Just raise your hand. You say, that's me. Thank you. Just keep it up high. I want to see it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so proud of you. Sometimes that's the hardest thing to do is take that first step. I'm so proud of you. Who else? Keep it up high. I want to see it. Thank you. If you're online, just tell somebody in the chat bar. Thanks, buddy. I was waiting on you. Let's pray this out loud. If you raised your hand, you wanted to raise your hand, church family, would you join with them as they make this declaration of faith? If you raised your hand, say this loud enough so you can hear it with your own ears. I think the greatest faith you'll ever hear comes out of your own mouth. So say this loud, say it clear. Say, Heavenly Father, come on church, all together. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that his blood washes me of all my sins and all my mistakes. Today I start over because Jesus, you were raised from the dead to give me new life, which begins right now. I'll serve you and I'll worship you. You are my Lord in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, give God a big hand clap. You guys are awesome. Love you. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we encourage you to spread the word. Share with your friends and family on social media and make sure you subscribe to hear a new message every week. Really love the message? Well, we want to hear from you. Make sure to leave us a review below. Want more Freedom House content? Follow us on Instagram at Freedom House 
and subscribe to Freedom House Church on YouTube. We hope you are equipped to experience all that God has for you this week, and we'll see you for our next Freedom House Church weekend message. Thank you.